0: You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com.
1: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zeppound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
0: Welcome to the Chris Spangle Show. It is great to be with you today. It is another episode of one of my favorite series, The Swamp Explained, and I am joined by Rob Cortell. 45-year fly on the wall in Washington, D.C. Now, Rob has worked for Republican presidential campaigns, government agencies like the EPA, and has been confirmed in the Senate to the U.S. Federal Maritime Commission. He's also been a candidate for Congress and Senate, and he's spent years working in the private tech sector with startup companies. Now, given his experience and iconoclastic viewpoint, Rob gives us a great insight into the swamp that makes up our nation's capital and uh, we have uh, a swampy episode today, Rob. This has been, <laughs> uh, there's a lot to unpack, I think, with Afghanistan yeah. and what's gone on and, and Joe Biden's performance and uh, the yeah. the swamp's performance, really. So where do we begin? I mean, wh- what what are your thoughts generally on the Afghan situation?
2: Well, yes, that's the big news of the week. Um, there, there are going to be a couple of things in sequence, you know. Uh, This is probably Joe Biden's worst worst week, as we all know, for quite a while. Um, The Afghan debacle, pretty soon he's going to have to make sure the FEMA guys do their job in Louisiana. You know, we have a category hurricane crossing over to the west, so greater damage on the east side of these things, which is New Orleans. Um, uh, Now, he he tried to redeem himself uh, with a strike on ISIS uh, last night
0: uh so which i don't uh, feel like i think he's misreading the american people i think yeah i think he wants us to see him as aggressive on this when that's not what everybody seems to want they want all of our soldiers out of danger well, yeah. So,
2: so I, I would say the whole thing from the beginning was a mess. And, you know, there's a lot of finger pointing going on right now. You know, there are all the Trump people trying to distance themselves from the decision, you know, Esper and all these other guys. Um, uh, and, and then there's the question of why is it so screwed up? Um, and, and of course, that's totally separate from the, the policy decision. You know, uh, d- do we pull all the way out? Should we have pulled all the way out? And so, you know, Biden, first of all, blame blame this on on uh, Trump. You know, I couldn't do anything. Trump made a deal um, to pull everybody out. If I, if I had reneged on the deal, we'd have been in big danger. Well, th- the deal was to pull up by May 1. And, you know, he he already, quote, renegotiated it. So it was, uh, end of August. So it's not like he followed Trump's deal e- exactly. And I think it's worth pointing out that we had very few casualties, um, in the last 10 years, well, nine years, probably eight years. Um, and, and, um, Uh, I think this is the most casualties we've actually had in one event in 10 years in Afghanistan. Yeah, since 2011. Uh, Yeah, 2011. And uh, it's also, so, so there are lots of things to unpack was, is it a good decision? Well, I think the population clearly wanted to be out. Um, And I think Trump read that correctly. And I think Biden reads that correctly. But, you know, Biden also thinks he's the guru of, of, of uh, foreign policy, uh, Bob Gates, former Secretary of Defense in Democrat and Republican times said he had he'd been wrong on every single foreign policy decision in the last 40 years. Uh, you know, uh, Biden's a guy who wanted to split Iraq into three countries. Um, he 's a pessimist on um, on whether or not other people can self govern uh, he He considers these all these people in the Middle East as tribal, and yes there 's a lot of tribalism, but there 's tribalism in our society too, and we manage to self govern so um, so he 's a pessimist, but he wanted to pull out. Um, he lost that debate in the Obama administration. He wants to show he 's president and he 's every bit as, as stubborn. Uh, as Trump, in my my view, on these kinds of things, right or wrong. So, so yes, he decided to pull out. Um, uh, I think there was a clear screw-up on the w- handling of the logistics. You know, what a lot of the people like Petraeus have said is that we, uh, the Afghan army uh, really had no choice but to flee because they had no uh, support, uh, aerial support, no tactical support from the U.S., Uh, Military, the contractors who managed their helicopters and their equipment pulled out uh, a couple weeks ago, Uh, and so if you were someone uh, fighting and had no cover, what would you do? Uh, And of course, Biden has also essentially accused them of turning tail and running, and that's just not true.
0: Yeah. Uh, Uh, By the way, there's a little there's a little mic rattle, so I don't know if you're banging. Oh, sorry about that. Playing with a yeah. Sorry about that. Um, I'm playing with a cord. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I, I'm a fidgeter, too, yeah. Um, yeah. Good thing
2: you can't hear my knees going.
0: Yeah, I know. I'm the same way. My uh, <laughs> We have some fidget spinner or something. Uh, yeah, this is a really bad week or month for the most competent administration restoring uh, competence yeah. and command. Mm-hmm. And, and I just have to say, like, the... You know, I saw the 25th Amendment stuff start to pop up on the Republican <sighs> side. And of course, you know, you start that under Trump, you're going to get it under Biden. And right. and there really does come a point where you look at your conservative friend and go, all right, well, how true is it that Biden's just not in command and just doesn't have the uh, the, the leadership skills, I guess we should say, to to make this work? I mean – how would you evaluate that? Is it, is it just well, listen, I, I, th- every well, administration p- Every just, administration messes up, I, or is he really just not grasping I think every, every, everybody
2: messes up, but I think this is a monumental mess, and it's of his own making. You know, a lot of people have, have compared it to Bay of Pigs. I think it's worse than Bay of Pigs. Bay of Pigs was a tactical mistake. This is, in my opinion, on the order of Munich in 1939. He's basically pulled the rug out from um, a whole region— of uh, people who have counted on the U S and the allies. And he pulled the rug out from under the allies as well. You know, I think NATO and all the NATO guys and from Turkey to England to France, to all the rest have been shocked by the whole thing.
0: I I am in favor of leaving. I was in favor of the decision. I was not in favor of how this was done. Do you agree with Uh, me on that? uh, I was in favor of leaving with
2: a small force staying behind. And there are lots of ways you can leave. Uh, and And still keep forces on the ground, you know um, if we had u s anything there, that would have um that would have held back the Taliban and i think that given they would have given the government and other people time to have talks and deal with this. of course now we have the interesting problem the Taliban didn't expect to roll through so fast so so right. they have no ability to govern either and you know they have lost control of their troops you know you have these spokesmen saying well wait 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 women should stay inside for a little bit because we have a lot of young guys who are not used to that they're from the villages and you know they're used to treating women differently and so that's that's an indicator, if you just take them at face value, that they don't have control. But frankly, they don't have a control. They don't have bureaucrats. That's why they're asking the Afghan government people to stay in. But, of course, they're telling government women to stay at home. And, right. Uh, so they don't have administrators. And, this feels you
0: know, like like they're playing it cool because if people want to leave, let them leave. Why leave destabilizing people here? And they'd probably let us take as many people as we want because they don't, you know, everybody's sort of it, oh, they'll start they'll start hanging people and shooting people. It's like, no, they're going to wait until everybody's not paying attention to them and then well, a and year from right now, now they think they need they I think they think they need a lot of these bureaucrats and administrators yeah. and and
2: they just they've got a problem on their hands. Uh, Their problem is a different kind than we have. Um, But it's also not true that they're not connected with uh, Al-Qaeda and and, uh, ISIS. You know, they're symbiotic and they can make all the claims they want, but but Al-Qaeda has been operating out of there the entire time and ISIS has been operating out of there the entire time and maybe ISIS doesn't like them very much and vice versa, but these, they're all, they're all in it together and I think they're problematic for them too, but, but Back to the instant case, I think most people would like to have gotten out, but I think rational people know you can get out and leave a stabilizing group behind, whether it's contractors or aid workers or something else. The, the fact of the matter is um, uh, people like the Taliban and others don't want to attack um you know, it would, it would be enough to have stabilized the, the Afghan government, a lot of people think, and left the contractors in to provide the tactical air force and on and on and on. But, you know, they didn't, and and it fell. And, you know, the conversation I was having on the Council on Foreign Relations to, uh, several weeks ago, it was about 10 days before it all collapsed. Um, on that date, it was a Deputy Secretary of Defense, it was a woman, uh, and she began the whole conversation talking about how fabulous it was that we had trained all these women. The women were finally free. They were educated through college. They were training doctors and lawyers and Indian chiefs. And, um, and I'm, you know, how in the zoom, you have a little box at the bottom. You can type in your comments. And I typed in my comment was, oh, it's great that we've, you know, educated all these women, but what's going to happen in two weeks and the whole government falls and they're either dead or fled. and, and, and nothing happened, and then I happened to be the second person called on, and and she says, oh, you were the guy who made that comment. I said, that's exactly right. And now I'd like to hear you answer the question because the reality is they're going to fall because we pulled everybody out, and it's going to be faster than we think. It's going to be probably in two weeks. And what are you going to be saying then when we're trying to get out all these people? Are you ready for that? And it was kind of mumble-mumble. sure we'll be ready for any exigency? And we don't think it's going to happen like that and blah, blah, blah. And then I'm getting bombarded by generals and admirals and and former
0: ambassadors in the chat box. Thank you for asking that question you were right, right. <laughs> and, that's, that's and the great thing about military people is i am not non-interventionist but i love the military people that serve i love like yes. they are the most they make up the biggest bulk of the we are libertarians podcast network audience is yeah. former vets because they deal with the incompetence yeah. and these experts well, and like, like this woman too right yeah. these these yeah. people like the the experts on afghanistan and the war on terror for 20 years have been wrong and and yep. like the, they're focusing on women and that is important it's not like the humanitarian well, crisis that is unfolding is happening to everybody and and it's like we're, we should stay there to support women's rights in Afghanistan the american people don't want wholesale slaughter but they also don't want their troops at risk they don't want their brothers and well, sisters at risk i think risk.
2: everybody's conflicted
0: you know right. in how they feel about this
2: i mean the reality is and um and of course they were also they were also glad that somebody asked the question because being the swamp they didn't want to put their reputations on the line right. by asking it or saying it themselves and 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 uh i don't care <laughs> I, <laughs> right <laughs> I, I i'm known for asking tough questions the ones that everybody else is thinking but afraid to talk about but in any case so obviously i was right and there were other people that were right and and it it was predictable it would fall you know and and, and I what think are those people the, what are those people saying now like what's the well the, what, not my fault right I mean Esper and all of them now they 're finger pointing to Trump, but they were there, and you know i 'm reading this uh, the book um, uh, what 's the newest one on the Trump administration by the the husband wife team um, uh, i can 't think of the name, but anyway it's it's it 's the last year, and what a debacle it was and 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 you got everybody esper on talking about how they did everything they could to keep their fingers in the dike and keep it from becoming a junta and all of that. And I, I actually never thought it would be that, just I think all the forces against that are pretty strong. But, but in any case, so now we are where we are. And, you know, so we have 13 American soldiers dead. And as of this morning, 170 Afghans and a couple Brits, uh, British soldiers. And, uh, you know, they're expecting another attack and they're leaving, you know, thousands of, Interpreters behind, but the reality is, it's it's not just the interpreters. It is like the six million people who who live in Kabul, uh, who have, in this that city in particular, and that country in particular, have tasted have tasted self government. And you know, there was a great article this morning in the New York Times uh, that had eight or ten Afghans talking who had grown up under this over the last twenty years, um, and you know, they have a different point of view uh, and. I think that will present a problem for the Taliban uh, to govern. They right. they can be repressive. I, I personally would have handed out a gun to every man and woman, and in, in, including women in Kabul, and said, "You know, defend yourself."
0: Good luck. You That's know. actually not a bad idea. <laughs> Yeah, um. uh, yeah. I mean, I was watching a documentary this morning about Afghanistan before the Taliban and how cosmopolitan it was. They had jazz clubs. I mean, it was. I tweeted. I tweeted that yeah. out. I'll put it in the show notes. But you know, the the elites in Kabul generated a lot. I mean, we all know how uh, Americans feel about elites and that conversation. It was very similar. And so these these guys look like uh, they were going to punish the people I don't like, and so that's how they took power. It seems like a much different you know, take over now than it was then. So uh, I'll be interested to see if they're able to actually govern. Well, that was on top of the Soviets. Now, remember, the Soviets um,
2: um, actually deliberately educated women and everything else, which is one of the things that sparked the Taliban, Mm. you know, and and the Muslim. And at the time, they were much more – they were much different across society. The issue today is it's not just the elites, and that's part of the point of this article. It's everyday people – girls are going to school and able to rise who are not part of the elites. So the elites, you know, we, and, and we want to characterize it frequently as a defense. Well, it's just the elites and they can always get out, but it is not just the elites who now are, uh, who have a problem. And Oh, by the way, it's not over for the Taliban. So they've got a, a major, um, you know, tribal leader in one of the provinces, um, uh, has collected an army, and I suspect there are an awful lot of the military running over there to work with him. Uh, so they've got a big shooting match in their own backyard, still, mm. of an army. You know, one of the the uh, the, the regional tribal chiefs, and so and and uh, this thing is not over. They're not completely in charge of the government. Um, they're not completely in charge of their own troops. Uh, their own forces, and I calling them all troops is kind of a stretch. Right, you know, you know they're probably half of them trained, and half you know it's like dragged the three, out of the, the villages. Three
0: percenters got control of the government, <laughs> right?
2: Um, so there's going to be a lot of chaos, and I think there'll be a lot of chaos along all the borders. And but what we did is unforgivable. I I think we I think everybody who has ever experienced military or anybody in foreign policy or anything is convinced that we could have done this Uh, more rationally. We should have expected that this was what would happen, uh, that the uh, Taliban would be able to march in because the, the people in charge of many of these places are corrupt and they took bribes and they're watching out for themselves. And then, of course, we pulled out support and uh, cover, uh, via the contractors and on and on and on. And I think one thing you should do is post that article by Henry Kissinger, which is sort of strategic and the one by David Petraeus, which is pu- really very analytical. And he and others I know have argued that we should put a small force back in there and just keep it there. But it's, or we could have, and it's just too late. And Biden, um, uh, and again, uh,
0: the, the American is, people will never accept because you oh, will have – We can't put anybody shooting. back in now. Yeah, no, can't you, put anybody back in No,
2: there's no we way. Kept, we could have kept a 1,000 troops in there and people – you know, we, we have troops in, in Somalia and Libya and all over Africa, and we still have thousands of troops in Germany and Korea and all these other places today. And I assure you, if we took them out of Korea, um, there would be a shooting match. And if we took them out of some of these other places, there would be more shooting matches. And uh, guess what? Um, we will be sending people in to Afghanistan from other places to deal with al qaeda and and uh, ISIS and all the rest of them who will pop up it, it's just it is inevitable, and it will be messier than if we had had a, a body of a thousand troops in there just kind of maintaining equipment and 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 um, and helping the army strategize and the government you know and it 's a slow process so uh, Iraq is is uh, uh, rife with corruption, uh, but it's its government s- stabilizes, it's more stable than they've had. it is more representative than they've had. it is it is free elections. Um, the Af- Afghanistan was getting there. These things take time. We had as a country, Hundreds of years before we were an independent country and able to self govern and even then um, there were issues and you know i 'm reading another book um, about the founders who who were kind of after twenty years after the revolution and the constitution just were just not sure this country would survive because of um, uh, strife and factionalism and all of those things and they called that factionalism in those days. Right. and today we call call it partisan but you know Iraq and Afghanistan and all these countries are going through factionalism and it's a growth process but so we, let's talk let's it.
0: Con, let's continue the blame game down to the Trump administration <laughs> yeah um and, and i think an interesting question that i've heard from so-called experts was trump wanted to withdraw and the the foreign policy and defense Uh, swamp basically drug their feet and had if they had actually taken him seriously instead of waiting and hoping that biden would reverse that win and reverse that decision that this wouldn't be as much of a catastrophe because there would be plans in place that they failed to plan uh because they disobeyed the the president um which is a breakdown of norms that continued under biden it seems like Uh, how much credence do you give that argument well probably some um but I think it's clear
2: from all of the, the you know the telltale's coming out of the administration that Trump wanted to be out of all these places um, by uh, the end of his term, first term, and if not earlier. And they dragged it out. And you know, Obama wanted to be out and couldn't yep. get out. And and part of that is um, part of that is because the foreign policy establishment has a different long-term view than, I think, politicians. And you see inside the political establishment some people who have a long-term strategic viewpoint as well, but not a lot. Um, John McCain had it. Uh, Romney and others have it. There are some in the House, and the Democrats certainly have it too, um, who would like to see a you know, peaceful, uh, stabilized world. They don't think, they don't believe the world can stabilize itself without us.
0: And so, you're well, why? Why is that? Because that's a common, you know, libertarian idea is that we need to leave um, South Korea. We need to leave all of these places. Why are we in 170 countries? Yeah. Why, why do they well, believe that is, if we leave is, those places, the world would destabilize? Well, this is the lesson of World
2: War II, and the and the nation, and not well, there was there was some nation building after World War II, and you know there, there you know these things build on themselves. Think back to the period between World War I and World War II and the League of Nations, which um, essentially was utterly impotent, and um, and we we tried to punish Germany. The reparations was one of the key drivers of of the the angst inside germany itself that that r- led to the rise of hitler and and from there we then have world war 2 which was mass, you know that was massively destructive millions of people died in this and and um uh, the, and the terror of it and the unleashing of nuclear war and all that and uh, and so the lesson to those people was um Somebody needs to be in charge here, and America is is probably the strongest, greatest nation in the history of mankind, and I still think that's probably still true. And, and then over the years, people have tried to, and so they build institutions. They built the United Nations, they built, which is utterly impotent. And then they built the monetary institutions like the World Bank and the IFC and, and all of these, which actually are more influential because they go right in and say, I'll give you money if
0: you do X, Y, or Z. And if you I, don't, I'd also argue that the, the, nuclear bom- the nuclear weapon didn't exist after World War I. And that, that is a, a strategic That's true. thing that, that keeps true. people from hot wars, basically.
2: Yeah, I, I totally agree. And so, you know, these things just build on themselves over time. And and the lesson out of World War II was we need to build institutions that are critically important to other people and countries and that the only way to do it is together. Uh, and, um, and, and again, we also had them and us. We had the Russians and the communists versus us and, you know, the godless communists, you know, against the God-fearing Americans and blah, blah, blah. And... So that was another part of the equation, and as the world becomes um, uh, more more secular, that part of the equation doesn't fit as well. But um, uh, but it's it's you know we thought it was all one. You know what, what was the book? Right. The end of history, uh, right. and and that it was going to be all bliss. And then three years later, you know, we had another war, and then nine eleven, and on and on and on. So I, I just think that I think that people. Uh, from the strategic side of foreign policy, and this is, you can call it the swamp, or you can call it experts, or you can call it elites, or whatever, really would like to see less strife um, and less economic strife, and all these things are interconnected. And some institutions that have been built over the last 70-some years work reasonably well, and others don't. I mean, the United Nations works as a, as an aid organization, but they don't work as a peace organization. Um, uh, you know, I wonder to myself, why couldn't someone have said to the UN, you know, go in there and put your own troops, of course their, their troops are our troops, um, in in front of it all. And, um, it, you know, if you leave countries to settle their own problems, they don't. You know, mm-hmm. watching the Saudis and the Somalis and the... and the Americans and the Israelis and the Palestinians and you know on and on and it just um, it's issues issues that are narrow inside countries are hard to overcome
0: and do you you think that our focus is too big like do you think that the old world idea of grand powers and and our focus needs to be on what israel's doing what afghanistan is doing instead of focusing locally on what we're doing is kind of a that that philosophy is sort of the you know an old world way of thinking as opposed to thinking more more small like do you understand what i'm what i'm saying like well the idea that nations have to control each other is is outdated yeah well that's that is you know there, there's this
2: whole piece through strength thing. That's my birria clicking in the background. I'm making, me, uh, you know, Mexican birria, which is you you Ooh. poach uh, 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 short ribs in uh, in uh, liquid and uh, and uh, anchos and other kinds of things. And then you boil it down and you oh, add more spice. Perfect. And you put it in tacos. <laughs> I'm hoping it's going to stop beeping in a minute. No, <laughs> if it okay. doesn't, you, I'm going <laughs> You can barely hear it. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, well, the, the,
0: the, so
2: you know, well, but my, but, he, my, but let me let me turn it, that around on you. Okay, if you have a when you have a problem that you want to solve, a social problem, do you try to solve it yourself, or do you try to get other people to help you in your community?
0: Yes, my I think that the idea that uh, in the internet age, in an age of capitalism, the idea that foreign policy and wars, most specifically are the, the the first tools in i think is kind of an outdated way of thinking i think if you you have to have foreign policy and diplomacy and conversations and some mechanism for dealing with bad actors right you know if you have a bad actor in your life you need people around you to to help like escape that situation or in that right like so but i think our the old world their first you look at world war one and the lead up to that the idea was well we just start shooting at each other like we're gonna have to go to war and i think we've evolved over the last hundred years into thinking all right how can i mean china china was the great example right like if we open up economically and allow you know marketplaces to connect then obviously bad actors will uh will disappear because people's financial interests overrule their desire for violence um I don't know that that has. And, and then the Chinese saw what happened to the Soviet Union, and right. decided that if they
2: didn't exert themselves as a Chinese Communist Party, they would not be able to survive. They saw that they were threatened by, uh, 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 you know, the uh, riots and everything else, and the and all of those things, and they would learned their lesson. So they're moving to contain economic uh, individualism. Uh, well, economic individualism, they're happy to have. All right, Because it makes all these people independently happy down at the low level. But it's it's not so happy uh, at the top. They're, they're starting they to close control. off. You're going to see control.
0: this. My fiancé has been making her living teaching VIP Kid, which is teaching English to Chinese students. Mm. And they completely shut down the tutoring industry over the last month. And she lost her job because they're hiring only Chinese uh, tutors to teach English now. Uh, and part of the thinking is that they don't want Western people talking to Chinese people. They want to close off that conversation because they don't, you know, I mean, it's not a wealth thing. Like she was in a, a closet in her apartment <laughs> teaching kids with chandeliers in their bedroom. Uh, but I just think they wanted to sever that connection between, you know, you know, a white, a white American that they loved, that they liked, that they're sad uh, isn't teaching them anymore, and wanted to, you know, drive that idea of nationalism that Chinese are superior, and so these well, teachers the, the are better
2: people playing. that will ultimately harm are the Chinese trying to learn English because right. Eng, English is we we think of of Chinese as complex. Um, it's mainly because we're not used to the to the. Um, to the types of sounds and and all of the rest of that but english is incredibly irregular and nuanced and really is an amalgam of dozens and dozens of other languages so the nuance of english is where you will see it and i frequently in my past have had chinese native chinese speaking english and um and miss the mark because they they don't understand the nuance of that yeah uh, and
0: that will uh, ultimately harm them. So, all right. So it's while that's could be your fiance, no, it's not, but we we've got other plans. So uh,
1: this episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail from accepting payments to managing inventory. Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I saw an interesting point
0: from a rabid Democrat that Donald Trump didn't protect the Kurds. And so therefore, all of the uh, the idea that Trump would have done better is, is sort of stupid because he didn't protect our allies then. Why would we think that he would do this now? Um, how much blame do you put, put on Trump? Do you agree with that person's assessment? I, I don't think Trump would have
2: done it better. I, I, I mean, a lot of the same people, you know, there's no one in, in, who was in the Trump administration in a position in the defense or, the, or um, professional State Department other than maybe Pompeo um, who w- wouldn't have seen it or done it differently you know, I think the reality is that everybody would like to have pretended they were not going to fall. Um, uh, and I, it, it is possible they would have, um, they would have uh, done it a little more regularly and maintained uh, the contractors in. Um, but frankly, I suspect the, the Biden People would prefer to have maintained it in a different sequence, Uh, and you know they were driven by the president to move it out, and so that was a mistake. And I I don't think it's a mistake that the Trump people would not have made. Um, And and I I take all the Esper and all the rest of these guys with a grain of salt.
0: Um, You don't. You don't trust Mike Pompeo.
2: (laughs) Well, Pompeo, you know. Pompus Pompeo, right? He wants to be president and he's running around the country. We you know, we have a governor's election here in Virginia. Um Terry McAuliffe is trying to get back in speaking of the swamp creature is coming yeah, back. Kidding. You know, and the last time Terry ran as uh, as a businessman and an outsider and now he's running as a knowledgeable insider who did a great job, you know, 4 years ago. And Glenn Youngkin is running as an as the outsider and and Glenn and I know them both, you know, not neither one incredibly well, but Yunkin a little better, and uh, he's the Republican. Of course, he's being uh, he he has the problem of trying to motivate the Trump guys um, uh, and win the the moderates and centrists and the regular Republicans, and so what he... Trying to appeal north of Richmond and south of Richmond is a hard balancing act. (laughs) It is. It's a very hard balancing act, and, and, you know, for, and then, you know, they they ran a convention here uh, with... uh, uh, I forgot what they call it—a drive-up convention. Basically, you um, drove up to a public site and you, you know, stayed in your cars and and voted one, two, three, four, five in order of your sequence of your preferences. And and I was at the local Republican meeting uh, uh, about a week ago, and where let me say that these people, by and large, are so—they're are, not conservatives. They are. Right of Attila populace, most of them, and um, but one of them was standing up saying, Well, what a what a stupid system. It kept our candidate from winning and and that's the elites in Richmond in the party and, and the woman who is the, you know, who is the uh, head of elections here is a Republican. She said, well, they were your party officials. And he said, well, they're elites and who is this junkin' guy anyway? I mean, why should we vote <laughs> for him? And everybody else, people like me are mumbling because if you don't vote for him, you're going to get Terry McAuliffe. Right. <laughs> so, And, and uh, anyway, so it's but it, you know that's going to be a problem for him too, because he's got to motivate these people to get out uh, and and Virginia is a very close state. I think Yunkin can win they're within a they're within you know strike he's within striking distance of Terry and it's all going to be about get out to the vote, I think, but Terry's now running uh, ads that Yunkin is a clone of trump and and uh, Anyway, it's it's interesting.
0: So let's that, that's hop the swamp up, here. <laughs> yeah. So let's hop to the to the future. I I think um, I think the midterms are going to be a bloodbath for Democrats. I think that yeah, the the yeah. Con- I think that people in the media and in in Washington D.C. have no idea the amount of like the resentment that a lot of Americans feel over the vaccine debate. I think is going to play out in a very big way in the midterms. Nobody sees it yet. But you're yeah. going to see it and there will be all these think pieces of what happened. Why did Biden lose so big? Was it Afghanistan? I, I, I And I think the vaccine thing will, will not uh, be seen by the media because they have an agenda. But I think Afghanistan is going to loom large. And, and I think yeah. Afghanistan is going to play big in, in Biden's re-election. I mean there's no doubt in my mind that this is – very few well, times do sure. you break – I don't know. I think when you break – I'm not sure he's going to gonna run again. Oh, that, that's a good point. I mean, so what do you see happening? How, how does this play out politically in the short and long term? Well, I think the short, I think
2: your, your general points I agree with. I, I think that um, it's bad for him on the midterms. Uh, uh, I don't, I, I think that uh, a lot of people who were on the fence and didn't vote for Trump will definitely vote, you know, Biden. Um, and we may remember that there were numerous districts that, went for every other Republican but Trump. Uh, and so that's going to be problematic. Um, I did see a number that the balances in the Senate are, are pretty close, and so the Senate may still be split. Um, but, you know, there's a long time between now and November next year. Um, uh, I did think redistricting is really problematic uh, for the Democrats. Uh, Republicans control more state legislative seats, and, um, and outcomes of congressional seats than do Democrats in the redistricting, so that's that's going to be a problem for them. Um, I do think that the, these laws um, in Georgia and Texas and other places are indeed meant to harass um, Democrats, um, not just blacks in general, but Democrats in general, uh, and make it harder. So they're going to have to redouble theirs. On the on the other hand, we've got places like California, where um, they, they sort of tilt in the other direction to make it easier for Republicans to lose. Uh, so, but I, I do think Afghanistan's going to loom large this fall. Um, I think this strike. When I was thinking about the strike this morning on the ISIS troops, I think it was less than impressive. But to a lot of the public, it's going to look like you know Joe is out there doing what he said he would, which is not forgive or forget. Will get you where you are, and there'll probably be some more. And I know, I'm sure he's hoping that will help recover some ground for him. And I also agree with you on the the, um, the uh, masking and schools. The the fact that people are going back to school is, uh, the, you know, he's consistently taken the position people should go back to school, um, uh, and of course everybody was hoping that it would all be over by now. And, and you know, you know, the re- listeners don't know that I had a breakthrough case of of uh, COVID. I was vaccinated back in February, and March, and went to a gathering about a month ago of three hundred young tech um, entrepreneurs in Washington on a beautiful building overlooking the city. And you know everybody was just joyous to see yeah. each other. We had not seen each other in person in a year and a half. And it was 300 people, uh, of which 275 were under 35, and they were, the remainder of us were over 50, <laughs> and lawyers and venture capitalists and everything else. And it, but part of it was inside. And a couple days later, I came down with a little bit of a cough and a little bit of a sniffle, and 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 didn't think much of it. And then a couple days later, I had house guests, and by the end of the weekend, I'm thinking, hmm, I better get checked. And on Monday, I did, and I was positive hmm. And ended up um, never had a fever, never had any uh, any consequences. The sniffle was gone in a week, and it was it, as was the other, uh, and. Uh, but I had a trip planned to, to a wedding in Aspen at the end of the week, and we were going to Utah and Moab and all these great places. One hundred and eight oh. degree dry heat—I couldn't wait. Yeah, and <laughs> and um, and I made the mistake of getting retested on Thursday morning. The public health people said I could go on Friday, and got, I was positive again. And, and
0: you know, I, you know, it.
2: I June was lie. June was
0: great, wasn't it? June was just June such was a fi- great.
2: Oh, July Ju- was bad. Yeah. yeah I mean,
0: I I went to Podcast Movement in the first week of August and that's right when Delta was starting to trend and it was yeah. uh, you know, it was in the Delta wing of the Opryland Hotel and you know, it it was really an uneasy experience and I you know the radio show host from Tennessee named Phil Valentine got it there and died, and that was just yeah. I don't right. know. I, I won't oh, be. That where he got it? He did. He did oh, allegedly. But that's. I. I think that's enough conventions for me for a while. I. Yeah, but
2: but you, you know, know what? I, I'm I'm getting to the point, and I suspect most Americans are getting to the point. Um, if you get it and you don't have a shot, it's your own fault. I right. I, I am totally with this doctor who says. If you got if you didn't get vaccinated, don't expect me to take you in ahead of my other patients. You know, my brother is uh, was supposed to have a knee operation, you know, replacement knee surgery, and he needs it. And um, and he, it got canceled because their hospitals are full of COVID patients. And of course, I I sent him a note. I knew I was trolling him, and I said, "Well, you can thank your moron governor DeSantis," <laughs> and um, and, uh, and then he immediately goes in defense mode. You know, well, how about the morons in Washington who did this or that? And and you know, you really can't. People are still defending their cho- their choices, and and they defend the mm-hmm. choice even when their choice threatens somebody else's choice. And, and threatens people who don't have a choice. I mean, what about these people with little kids who can't get vaccinated? I, my granddaughter can't get vaccinated. And she won't be on the next round because she's four and a half. And uh, yet she wants to go to public school and public kindergarten, which is her right. And her parents pay the taxes for it. But she's going to be in class with kids whose parents aren't vaccinated and are therefore exposed. And can give it to their kids who can give it to my granddaughter because they have a choice but my grand doesn't daughter doesn't have a choice and you know there was an interesting another article today about a school district i think it was it may have been in texas um the the teacher was not vaccinated um it, i think it's the times new york times again um half of the kids in her class caught it from her mm. um and and of those uh, 12 kids. Uh, one third gave it to their families. And you see it in the broadcast. She, re- she read to the class without a mask, despite the fact that policy was read with a mask. And you can see a, a, a broadcast rim in the classroom of who got it and mm. who did not get it. And so that is the best illustration to me of the problem. Um, and I think a lot of the public is just fed up, and it's not just now Democrats. You know, it's Republicans and Democrats who, who have families and kids, and they're it's they're facing it real time. So, and 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 I do think uh, Biden was getting some positive lift, but the fact that he he uh, it's going back down. You know, he I think. He's he's losing momentum from that, and Afghanistan's big, been a big hit. He's, I think, at 44%. He was in the 50s before. I saw 41. Uh, a couple 41, ago. yeah, yeah. I'm sure it's going to be all over the map. Uh, it, it, his, there's no question. His handling of this has been a debacle, and it's the, the execution is on his watch. and. And uh, he can keep saying, well, my decision was right. My decision was right. And maybe 10 years from now, people will say, your decision was right. And But I, it's pretty hard to distract people from the, the the deaths on our side and everybody else. But uh, but And coronavirus is here, too, and Delta, and we've lost control of Delta. And, and the fact is the country's become a petri dish with all of the unvaccinated people. They're just creating new varieties, and nobody can predict where they're going to go the next one you know, could maybe kill you in 3 days and get through a mask yeah you know viruses I, tend to get better
0: not wor- you know tougher not not easier i suspect that as as it gets more and more dangerous uh, th- i think that is what will will drive people who are unvaccinated to get vaccinated more than mandates mandates create yeah. resentment but People think in terms of their personal safety. I'm doing a, a special like, who are unvaccinated people? Like, what's their? Because this idea that they're all just mouth breathing Trump people, it's just not true, and it's that's not. not true. And and I I don't I, I see the doctor's point about you know why should I prioritize them over other people? I, I have a hard time thinking that that's a humane stance, but um I I have a, a problem with uh, what unvaccinated people. So I'm not, you, went in about it. All <laughs> right. Fair enough. But the the way that unvaccinated people are being treated right now reminds me of the way anti-war people were treated at the at the beginning of the Iraq war like that. Just like I really don't care what happens to you. You're not like a person to me because you're you're affecting my comfort and I don't like it. And I I want to fight against that, that notion because I just think that that is
2: I, I don't think it's comparable, Chris I mean, the that. reality is that the war thing is abstract to most people um, the reality is um, even in Vietnam and remember years ago I was on the, the, the President Ford's um, clemency board and we did a study of this even in Vietnam, only 3 million out of the hundreds of millions of Americans actually went to Vietnam and yet, and so it was experienced um, in their immediate families and you know all that, but for most Americans, it was abstract, and it was not a real threat. every one of us of age in that period thought we were going to go over and get killed in a swamp. but the reality is it was really only like about you know one out of ten um, who were eligible actually ever went ended up in a swamp so um, so the same thing on. Um, the beginning of the Iraq Wars—that was as much then a political decision as anything else—and and I really did—I do think that split very politically. And I had friends who would I, I I would see them, and they would start yelling at me about George Bush, <laughs> George W. Bush, and I, and I just stopped seeing people like that because I really believe you can talk about anything yeah. in a in a in a reasonable tone. Uh, but this is really personal. This is the the thing that you do, you meaning you in, in any you anybody out there um, can affect me tomorrow. You know, you, you, if you decide not to be uh, vaccinated, and a bunch of yous decide not to be vaccinated, and you all of you happen to be in a grocery store when I'm in the grocery store. Um, you could do something to get to help me not get it, uh, and I could do something to help myself not get it. But why should I also not be in that grocery store um, and vac- and vaccinated and not wearing a mask? Well, the reason is because everybody else is unvaccinated and not wearing a mask, and and you can kill me, you can kill me if you're unvaccinated, and that is what it's about. All right. and, and I'm and I have a problem with that, you know. And 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 as I say, I'm Darwinian. If you get it and you're unvaccinated for any reason, for you know, if you if you've got a medical reason, fine. If you've got a religious reason? Well, I pity the religion, but you know, I that's, that's a problem. But it's okay. But if you're unvaccinated because you don't trust the data, or there's not enough data, or I just don't want it, or it's my freedom against your freedom, I'm sorry. If you get sick and you die,
0: I'm okay fair enough all right let's, weed, they, these people get weeded out so we end every episode <laughs> talking about food <laughs> yeah and no you yeah. you, you i mean you you've given us a preview but what are you cooking right now
2: oh well i'm cooking birria, which is a mexican uh, uh a stew sort of thing but i have a way to do it for tacos and i'm gonna make fancy beans with uh rice and peas and uh uh, or rice with beans and with corn and, and beans, uh, peas, and then fancy beans. And then I have a new recipe for for melon, watermelon, cantaloupe, uh, peaches, and all of that mixed together with some interesting stuff. And then, um, but I do have a new restaurant in Washington, which is fabulous. I was up there two weeks ago called Seven Reasons. And uh, it is uh, uh, Argentinian or Venezuelan. I can't remember which. I think it's Venezuelan, actually. Uh, young chef. Um, They opened up in uh, the fall of 2019, Uh, uh, promptly were named one of the best restaurants in America, Uh, got a couple stars, I think one Michelin star, and then they had to close because of COVID. And then they reopened and did carry out, I think, and all the rest. And now they're physically open. And they're up in Northwest, a kind of a little above Logan Circle, where I used to live, and um, three tiers uh, in the restaurant. And it is, it is, without a doubt, one of the best restaurants I have been in in years. And the food is just absolutely perfect and, and uh, unique. And, you know, he does everything from seafoods to meats to—so uh, if you're in Washington— uh, try to get yourself a reservation in Seven Reasons. Mm. All right, very good. They also ah. have a fabulous soundtrack, by the way. Uh, like. Which, if you go to sevenreasonsdc.com, DC dot com, I think it's their website, you can download their soundtrack and put it on your uh, your your uh, your really? Sonos, yeah, your Sonos That's or whatever. And it'll go for like eight hours,
0: and and I do it for dinner parties. <laughs> very, very cool yeah that's <laughs> yeah. interesting i'm starting to see more people make spotify playlists you know for yeah for places yeah. like that totally all yeah. right rob cortell thank you so much for joining me here on the swamp we appreciate it yeah great time chris Bye-bye. all right we'll see you tomorrow here on the chris spangle show thank you for listening and if you got something out of this please share it with your friends that's the best way for us to grow thank you